and there's intimacy on the radio, and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. my friends and welcome to yet another incredible installment of cowboy state politics live from very high above all the puerile and insipid forms hold on <laughs> from very high above all the puerile and insipid forms of wyoming mainstream media this is cowboy state politics I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. I have a special guest for us today. Joey Carrenti is joining me in studio. He's the first guest at the Cowboy State Politics Studio. Morning, Joey. How are you? Oh, not too bad at all, David. Love being here. Love what you've got set up. Uh, we'll speak to what just happened um, when the music started playing again in the industry. I believe that's what we call premature vocalization. And gentlemen our age, it's totally natural and it happens. So it does we, happen. We allow it. I uh, had a great experience driving up here, coming through Buffalo and into Sheridan last night. Uh, did you stay on the right side of the interstate? I did and was surprised to see that it was one of the few times where I had zero elected officials driving towards me in my lane of traffic and was really happy to be able to have that experience and report that it does and can happen here. So, Well, you know, every time I make it back to Buffalo, I'm, I, I thank the Lord that I made it safely and I was able to do so while staying on my side of the interstate and not seeing any headlights, you know, coming my direction. Well, we've got a great show planned for you. Uh, Cowboy State Politics is Wyoming's most listened to podcast. Uh, today, we're going to talk about principles, why they're important. And never before in my lifetime have I, have I looked at the events of the day, the news, the media, and thought, wow, you know, we're, we're really talking about big, huge, overarching principles. Things like, what is liberty? What is, what is justice? What, what do those things really mean? I mean, here we have a, a former president who's been indicted four times, which that's, that's never happened before in American history. Uh, we, don't, we don't jail our political opponents. We beat them, and then we move on. But we've moved into a place where now uh, we're no different than a, than a third-rate banana republic, if you ask me. I mean, I, Joey? Yeah, there's uh, absolutely an issue with the way our justice system is being used, has been used for years, and now they're expanding the misguided use of it. 
and, and you're right. We, you know, we, we beat our political opponents and you beat them two ways. One, you have a better argument. And second, even if you don't have a better argument, you win the vote. So yeah, sometimes it is a popularity contest and there's people out there that think we conduct our elections or pick our officials in a wrong way. And I think we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but the bottom line is it's always come down to the dignity and the responsibility of the individual here in America. And we look at that mostly just for elections. A lot of times when I hear the conversation come up, but that leads into liberty justice because it's based on personal responsibility. The hardest thing you should do any day and you should be doing it every day is exercise, defend, practice and protect your liberty. And uh, I don't see, I see a lot of bumper stickers, talking points, uh, social, what do you call it? Engineered, uh, emotional arguments, but we don't see a whole lot of liberty minded principle talk. Nobody can say, I believe this because, and be willing to have a debate about it. They want to have arguments based on what they've been told to say about how they should feel. So I really think principles are going to play a big deal and it's okay to agree with somebody or a group of people based on the principles of one situation, but have your own feelings about other principles. You know, not everything's got to be homogenous. That's what makes America work is um, we're allowed to have different thoughts. We're required to have good reasons for having those thoughts though. America in in its purest sense, in, in the beginning, was an idea. Um, it, it was an idea that had never been been tried before in the history of the world. Um, it, it, well, maybe maybe more more of a question than an idea, um, but it was: Can man rule himself? Um, never before had that happened. There was always a king or a czar or um, you know, some sort of dictator. Um, never before did a, had a group of people got together and said, you know what, we think that we can write a document that's going to govern our behaviors and we can do it ourselves. And so we wrote a lot of those documents. And um, Joey, I'm going to let you take the lead on this. But, you know, when we talk about America, for me anyway, I always go back to our to the to the founding thoughts, the founding ideas of our country. And, you know, I asked you to, to think of what you know, one of your favorite liberty documents would be. So I'm going to go ahead and let you lead on this, and then we'll just talk about it. Well, thanks for not only uh, asking, but giving me the heads up and giving me time to prepare. Luckily, it's a very easy choice for me. Well, I like you. <laughs> well, that's subjective, but I appreciate it. Um, a lot of people might think that are listening right now that I'm taking the easy route out, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and complicate it as I'm explaining it. Mine, mine has got to be, the Declaration of Independence, and specifically the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, where it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the foundation of everything else. They put it on paper. They said, this is what we believe and where we believe these things come from that separate us from every other attempt at civilization and will save us from subjugation. Now, the entire document is one of the only documents that I know that follows one of my personal rules, which is point fingers, name names, and bring evidence. And if you read the entire Declaration of Independence, it's, you know, 
the king of Britain. You the, have you have done this. Let's present these facts to a candid world. Yes. And not only do we believe you're wrong, we're ready to fight you on it, and we're going to fight you based on these principles which we have described earlier. And we give ourselves the authority to recognize God gave us the right to do this or endowed by our creator. And it says later on. So I look at the Declaration of Independence as the portrait of America. Like you said, the idea, it is the painting. The Constitution of the United States, the Federalist Papers, all the other things, liberty-based uh, founding documents, they're the frame, the hanging hardware, the easel, the gallery, the studio where those things are displayed. This is how we make that picture work, that portrait of America. Uh, so I love all these documents, but really it's got to start, and I'm, I'm based on the conversation we're having today in principle it's got to start somewhere and it's got to start with the recognition of where does this power authority right and responsibility come from it comes from our creator and what are the biggest focus and the first two are are huge for me because you can't have liberty without the right to life so we're not even going to get into the specific arguments on that but it's, it's a great setup for an argument we seem to still be having today but it specifically mentions liberty and like i said Liberty is not something that's given to you. The opportunity to have liberty is a fundamental right, but you have to still work for it, fight for it every day. See, and that's, I mean, that's such an important point, Joey, that in America, we believe in opportunity. We don't believe in this stupid idea of equity that just be by virtue of you existing, that you you are deserving of something. Sure, you have the opportunity to to become anything that you want. You, know, you, if you have the capacity and the aptitude, you can run for president. You could be a billion dollar, you know, a billionaire CEO. You have that opportunity. And what grants us that is the idea that all of us are created equal by our, by our creator from the very beginning. So I want to play for you a, a soundbite that's from, uh, uh, this it's it's a really dumb pod, podcast, but you know everybody seems to be talking about this guy Charlemagne the God. I think that he is a charlatan, and I think that he's a moron. But he had Vivek Ramaswamy on, and I, the reason I picked this one is I think it's a fundamental uh, question that we're we're confronted with all of the time in the media. We hear that America is systemically racist. That it's it was racist from the beginning. That it's never changed, and you know if the color of your skin is different, then you know you're treated differently. And you know that's fundamentally not true. But let's take a listen to it and uh, and just kind of discuss it. America's about the pursuit, and so I I think that trashing ourselves. I, I think we are, are we actually. Hey guys, I'm off the grid for August, but here's a generic intro that's to Dave a clip we wanted to show. Didn't you. have time to edit him out. The, 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 the country has never fulfilled his promises of freedom, liberty, and justice for all. It's always been freedom, liberty, and justice for some. Usually that some is uh, white people. So here's what I would say in response to that. That is obviously true that the nation has fallen short mm -hmm. of our promise since our founding. But walk through some obvious facts about America. We're not founded on an ethnicity or a monarch or a food or even a religion. We're founded on a set of ideals that brought a group of people together in 1776 and we live by those ideals. At least we aspire to those ideals today. 
Do we live by those ideals, Joey? Because of the way America was structured and founded, I don't think it matters if we live up to them. The argument can be we don't. Who is we defined? Are you talking about the government? Are you, apparently they're talking about white people? But they said the promise. We have not lived up to the promise of liberty uh, and justice and equality or whatever he said. Um, the only promise, and this is one of the reasons I picked the Declaration of Independence, the only promise in there is that through our recognition of where these rights, liberties, and ultimately responsibilities come from, the only promise is of the opportunity. You still have to do, as an individual citizen, you have to do. Now, this might just be my white privilege talking. I don't know. But it, it brings me to my second real big point on the Declaration of Independence. The thing I love most about it is contrary to the thing I love most about the Constitution of the United States. As the framework for how we carry out these ideals and this promise of opportunity in the Constitution, the most brilliant part and why I think it has worked so well in our Constitution since 1791 is that they embedded a way to address and change it, multiple ways to address and change it. Because those are the policies, the way we carry out, the way we frame and display this portrait of the Declaration of Independence. The thing I love about the Declaration of Independence is opposite. It's a statement. It can never be changed. It doesn't have active governance. It has recognition of where our self-governance comes from. So within those, you know, people might say conflicting arguments, there's a reason why you can recognize both as being great because one can and one can't be changed. But it all comes down to the execution and recognition of that personal responsibility. Declaration of Independence says we have, we must, and we should. The Constitution says this is how we do and your personal responsibility, if you don't like it, is to engage it, is to change it, is to gain a consensus and enough support to make sure we're doing the right thing, to live up to these ideals, not to get what you feel should be done, done at the cost of others' liberty. One of the reasons I started this program is that I was sick and tired of being lied to. You know, every, everywhere I looked, you know, in the media, um, and people that would show up on my doorstep, you know, and ask for my vote, you know, they'd tell me one thing. And then I'd look into check in on them, see how they're doing, and I'd find out they're doing exactly the opposite. So that's why I started this program, and I I demand that people stick to what they say they you know what they tell me. Um, if you say that your principle is freedom and liberty and justice, well, then you need to stick to it and not go to Cheyenne or Washington D.C. for that matter, and and act differently. And you know anymore. And, and I kind of want to take this conversation in, in another direction after the break, but I want, I want to ask our listeners, if, if someone doesn't support President Trump, are they still a conservative? Um, in our party, there's a lot of people that if you are, uh, if you're questioning former President Trump, they might say, well, you're, you're a rhino. You know, how, how could you not support Trump? Well, that's the difference. We're talking about principles today. Uh -huh. And uh, I've, I've developed, you know, I've really thought about this. And there's a lot of things President Trump did that I support wholeheartedly. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to go to the break and then we're going to talk about it. We'll get back to the program in just a second. But first, some completely egregious self-aggrandizement. 
You can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There you can find all of the shows as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If your name is Sleepy Joe Biden and you're dumber than a box of rocks, well, you can go to cowboystatepolitics.com, pull up an article and educate yourself just like you should have been doing before you decided to run for office. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the Thursday live episode that begins every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. You know, the show you're listening to right now. You can find the link at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. Have you been looking for a new place to advertise your business? Well, I'd suggest advertising on this program, Cowboy State Politics. It's Wyoming's most listened-to podcast. Now, the difference between advertising on the radio and on a podcast is most people just have the radio playing in the background, and they're not actively listening to your message. People who download a podcast are there to listen to the whole thing, so you can be sure that your message will be heard. I have a statewide platform, and no one is going to beat my advertising rates. Shoot me a message. The address is david at cowboystatepolitics.com. I would love to get that conversation started with you. And now, back to the program. Welcome back. Cowboy State Politics, Wyoming's most listened to podcast. I'm joined in the studio today by Joey Carrenti. Uh, today, we're talking about principles. Why are they important? Why should we pay attention to them? Uh, do we even act on them? Now, before the break, I asked you a question. If someone doesn't support President Trump, are they still a conservative? Now, my, my answer would be maybe that makes them more of a conservative if you're critical of your own members. There have been lots of times on Cowboy State Politics that I've interviewed somebody and I have found out later that, you know, maybe they didn't tell me the truth. And then, of course, on the next episode, I've crucified them, which uh, I'm about to do that again. Uh, but I want to play you a soundbite from Ron DeSantis, and then we're going to talk about it. We have a strand in our in our party that views supporting Trump as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative mm -hmm. person since sliced bread. Unless you're kissing his rear end, <laughs> they will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached oh, from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So a movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle, uh, because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, th that's not going to be a durable movement. All we are is listless vessels if we're just following a personality. What do you think, Joe? Joey, excuse me. We'll work on locking that down for the future. Um, I, I, I agree with the sentiment and the statement to a point. I always liken it to uh, something I said in a Washington Post article back in 2020 when the whole Liz Cheney thing was still churning and brewing. And they were saying, well, what about this? Well, what about Trump? And I said, most people I meet that love Donald Trump can't tell me 
from a principle standpoint or even a policy and action standpoint why they love him. It's it is the personality. And it's okay as long as they recognize, understand, and admit that. I can't find a lot of Trump supporters. There are some that can tell me the five things that, that he did that they really like the most and the five things that they that he did that they, they can't stand. And I'm not just talking about Trump in this assessment that I've made. I think in modern day America, especially in politics, but now that we have the huge crossover between entertainment, sports, politics, it's a normal part of everybody's life and everybody wants to be involved. We suffer from idol worship. We pick a person instead of a principle. We pick a personality instead of a policy and say, I like you because I think you're better than the other guy or I just don't like the group that supports them. And like I said, it's not just Trump. You know, people blindly support individuals regardless of their actions and, and don't really know anything about the person. They can't tell you what their policies, what they agree with personally uh, in their principles that this other person has supported. Um, and then they elevate it to this realm of, but he's always right and and it's perfection. And I really go back to this thing of, in that story, when I was interviewed by the Washington Post, I said, it's 2020. Uh, or sorry, it's 2021. Um, Donald Trump's not the president right now. What if Donald Trump decides not to come back to politics? Are you going to let the success and progress of the legacy he left just die because he's not coming back? Or can we pick up that mantle and say, these are the things that were done well, and these are the things that worked. And we as a nation need to elect people that are going to continue to drive forward these policies. And I likened it to, you know, forgive me, Republicans that are barely hanging on to still liking me and decide this is the thing that's going to break the bank and you're done with Joey Carenti. But the people that overly invoke the name Ronald Reagan and say, I know Reagan did this and we loved Reagan. You know, I loved Reagan too. I helped build the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library. But he's not coming back. He is dead and buried. And if we can't pick up that legacy of recognizing the dignity and the responsibility of the individual moving forward towards being mourning in America again, we can't afford to be so sentimental that we lose the principle or the focus moving forward. And Ronald Reagan did things wrong, too. And the thing that 1986, the NFA, I mean, the there's thing, lots of gun stuff we could talk about Ronald Reagan. The thing that'll get rid of the rest of the people that might still just barely be hanging on to Joey is there were a lot of fundamental problems with Abraham Lincoln as a human being. Habeas corpus. So what we need to do is stop idolizing individuals, recognize that, hey, sometimes flawed people, which we all are, do great things. And those great things are always based on the prince, you can always draw them back to the principles and the personal responsibility found in these documents. The thing Not the greatness of the man, the risk they took in making sure the greatness of America is realized. The thing that's going through my head right now is that men die. Principles do not. Nope. And, and the great things that men did certainly can live on. You know, my one of my idols, <laughs> my favorite president is George Washington, not because he was the first one, but because he was the indispensable man. Anywhere you look around that guy, um, you can find something amazing. Was he a slave owner? Yep. Um, did he continue to be a slave owner until his death? Yeah, but there were reasons behind that. You know, when, when he was in the depths of Valley Forge, he wrote to his wife that he has an eternal blot on his soul because he owned another human being. 
but it was impossible for him to get rid of his slaves because it would have destroyed everything. Now, that's not a justification. That's that's what he wrote. So, you know, men are flawed. Mm -hmm. Principles are not. And I think that what's important is that we keep principles in the forefront and that we're always we're always striving to achieve those principles. For example, liberty. And one of my favorite writers is a guy named John Stuart Mill. Um, he wrote in the 1800s. Uh, many people consider him to be the the father father of modern libertarianism. Now, it's not libertarianism like you think about right now. Let's, let's legalize all the drugs, and you know, you do whatever you want, and I'll do what I want. That's not what John Stuart Mill was talking about. Well, he wrote this great book, and I don't even know if I'd call it a book. Uh, it's more of a more of a pamphlet because I mean, you can sit down and read it in an evening. But he came up with what he called the harms principle. And essentially, it says that the only acceptable use of government force is to prevent harm to another individual. And now he didn't mean you're hurting your delicate little feelers. You know, what he meant was actual harm. And let me just quote it to you. And this is from On Liberty. And it says, quote, that the only purpose for which power can be rightfully exercised over any member of a civilized community against his will is to prevent harm to others. And now he's talking about the force of government. Now we're we're living in a in a place where the full force of government is being brought against uh, former President Trump, saying that he you know he tried to incite an insurrection, and uh, you know it's uh, treason against the United States, and they trumped up that huge <laughs> pun intended uh, that huge indictment, which by the way is absolutely hilarious. If you want a if you want a good laugh, read the indictment from Georgia. Um, but, you know, we're so far away from the principles of liberty and justice that I, I question whether or not we can even get back to them. Well, definitely hear what you're saying. I agree with the questioning of, of most of it, especially the true harm concept. Uh, the, the First Amendment to the Constitution is, first of all, the First Amendment, not a part of the original document, but you know, passed almost immediately thereafter. And like you've said many times before, the only right you have there guaranteed is to be offended. We still don't have to care. Your feelings are not protected. They're granted as existing, but that's it. Um, back to the clip of, of DeSantis. Uh, I forgot where I was going with that, but um, we have a responsibility. And you said something about can we get back to it? And I think DeSantis said something about that's what it takes in a movement. And I'll disagree with the use of the word movement because a movement is picking something up, going forward. It's terminal. And then dropping it. Yeah. Um, getting back to it. That's one thing I do believe about liberty. It's cyclic. It's a revolution. It keeps coming back around because as we all know very well, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It requires not can it, it requires getting back to it based on that general generational removal from the understanding and the responsibilities of it. Uh, there's another one of the saying of soft men make hard times that make this, that make that. And hard times make, make hard that is the That is the cycle of liberty. And we, every 30 or so years, get into another issue where we've gotten too comfortable, too soft, and the spark sets off the powder keg. So I don't think it's a question of can we. 
I think of which direction are we going to take it this time? Is it going to be based on personal responsibility? Is it actually going to be a drive towards refreshing liberty? Because what I'm seeing now, especially with the liberal agenda and all the complaints that are even creeping into the right side, well, we'll change this law. We'll fix this. We'll get the government to do this. And while we're doing it, we won't even recognize our own laws and our constitution that requires equal application and protection under the law. They will do for one, not for the other rules for thee, but not for me. Why not get government out of the way? And exactly because the more government and I'm seeing it even on, even on the right side, whether that's Republican, conservative, whatever I'm saying, well, we'll fix it by adding this to the government as opposed to just getting them out of the way. That's not craving Liberty. That's craving subjugation. You're begging to be ruled in a way that we wrote the declaration of independence and fought a war over. And it's problematic for me because it should be coming back around as a return to the personal responsibilities that refresh that tree of liberty. Okay, let's take this kind of in a, in a slightly different direction. There was an article in the New York Times earlier this week, and many of you probably saw it pop up on your social media feeds, but originally it was entitled, Elections Are Bad for Democracy. And then they quickly changed the title to, The Worst People Run for Office. It's time for a better way. So we're talking about fundamental things that are enshrined in our Constitution. They were complaints from the Declaration of Independence. Um, and here we are with the paper of record saying, well, maybe we should just ditch elections. Let me quote it to you. Quote, people expect leaders chosen at random to be less effective than those picked systematically. But in multiple experiments led by psychologist Alexander Haslam, whoever that guy is, the opposite held true. Groups actually made smarter decisions when leaders were chosen at random than when, when they were elected by a group or chosen based on leadership. And then it begins in this way. On the eve of the first debate of the 2024 presidential race, trust in government is rivaling historic lows. Officials have been working hard to safeguard elections and assure citizens of their integrity. But if we want public office to have integrity, we might be better off eliminating elections altogether. Now, skip a couple paragraphs where I left off before. Why, why were randomly chosen leaders more effective? They led more democratically. Well, first of all, we don't live in a democracy. Not at all. We live in a republic. And if we eliminate elections, how can those leaders lead more democratically? Well, they can't. But this is, this is the natural progression of... Uh, modern progressivism. And I know I just repeated the same word, but, but my point is it always ends with the, uh, with the enlightened despot. There are a lot of governmental philosophers that have said, well, the best possible scenario, and it began with, with Plato and Aristotle, the best possible scenario is that we're ruled by an enlightened few, an enlightened despot. Well, that's one of the things that our founders were adamantly against literally the issue that caused america to become an idea and put on paper but like i said with most of these liberal ideas that creep into every argument even the ones on the right it shows that there's people that crave or believe they'll benefit from subjugation it's the reemergence of the elite class the concept of divine right by blood uh, that some other and but they do it in a way that seems like it's completely random and dispassionate oh we're going to set up a lottery system and we're going to 
you know, pick people and for, okay, first of all, I think it'd be a violation of the 13th amendment. You can't force people to work for the government. Um, or are they going to use the uh, selective service system, which isn't the draft, but it still exists and only includes men. So now you're going to have a, a gender problem. Well, well, you're not including women. Well, the only system we have right now that could pick this pool only includes men. Um, so let's say they just bring it down to, you have to be a member of the electorate because we already have all these standards. As long as you're registered to vote, then you, we know you're not a felon. We know you're not this. You're not. I still don't think you can force anybody into service. There's no guarantee they'll do a good job, especially if they don't know what they're doing. They're going to be looking to other people. So now you have stakeholders outside that are influencing uh, these more democratically appointed individuals. But it comes from the voter rules or the way we registered people to be members of the electorate, which don't matter anymore because we're not having elections. We already have a fundamental problem with dead people voting. We have a problem with absentee, absentee voters, people that have absentee ballots that aren't even real people. What if one of these people, because their name's in the pool, what if one of these people is selected from the pool to be the mayor of your town and they don't even actually exist or they've been dead for 20 years? Do you know why they have gates on cemeteries? Why? Keep the Democrats from voting. Oh, yeah. Apparently they uh, lock from the inside because <laughs> in Chicago, I know they get out. Um, this whole concept... Is, is, is a great example of why some people have made a living and unfortunately the American education system has provided funding for individuals to grow up within and remain in academia and do nothing but come up with theory and feelings and never actually go out and produce or do or experience anything. And so good for this guy. Um, I hear fiction novels are on the rise, so maybe he has a future where he can make some money continuing to put the stuff out to stop saying it's fact, because really what you're talking about is a further expansion of our system being controlled by unelected bureaucrats that are not beholden to the people for anything. And one of your favorite topics, if you think it's not happening here in Wyoming, you're wrong. One of your favorite friends, Senator Nancy Case. For, oh, Nancy. For years. And it will be coming up again, probably this morning in the uh, Corporations Committee meeting has continually attacked and attempted to change the way that public elected vacancies are filled. And what he wants to do, from what I've heard listening to his testimony, is he wants the legislature or the governor to appoint a panel of more bureaucrats that will fill these vacancies on behalf of the people. Currently, the party who the vacancy uh, creator belonged to selects through a process, a few names, and they send it either to their county commissioners or to the governor, and the governor or the county commissioners picks must pick one of those three names. The only way to address the argument that Nancy Case has of it's not done well, the parties are corrupt, it's funny because he says he's a huge party member, I've never seen him in a meeting, but I believe in the system, but the system is broken because you're adding people to it, um, is to narrow the amount of people that are involved and not even at least the party members that vote are elected by the people in the party as precinct people and you know, it's, it's, members of the it's funny that he would say something like that because i mean he also said stuff like this this is a good deal for wyoming wyoming it could be a good deal we can't even start to figure it out 
until we pass this bill. Nancy Case. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, you mean this one? Whoa. I think you got to stop and take a look at what you're doing here. I speak against this because it kind of reminds me of that fairy tale, Cinderella. Oh, that's got to be my favorite right there. You know, if the shoe fits. But what it boils down to is even there's there's an effort to make this kind of thing happen in Wyoming. But honestly, the only way of getting a better system than the one we have now here in Wyoming is to do the opposite of what Kale Case is asking. If you don't like the fact that the insiders who have been elected to their positions within the party of the person that created the vacancy gets to pick the three names, not even the replacement, we get to pick a slate to send to someone else. The only way to improve that is to have a special election every time there's a vacancy. All the members of the precincts affected by the vacancy get to vote. I won't even argue that they have to be in the same party. But the only way to improve what we currently have is to engage and include the people more, not do what Kale Case is trying to do or wants to do, and not do what this uh, the guy telling the story about this even being a democracy, let alone it not being right. Well, it all boils down to a couple of fundamental documents. All we have to do is follow the Constitution and the process that you were just explaining that, you know, when there's a vacancy, the um, the, the party who had that office before chooses a slate of candidates and then either the county commissioners or the governor picks from that slate of candidates. That's in the Constitution. Mm -hmm. That's in our Constitution. And all of these folks on and I shouldn't say they're all on the other side because they're not. We have people in the Republican Party that they would like to like to subvert things that are in the Constitution. Also, there's 31 Republicans in the House of Representatives that vote with the Democrats 80 percent of the time. And I've watched just about every single one of them try to go around the Constitution, find ways to minimize it. Well, we can do this because it slightly agrees with the Constitution. Well, that's all bullcrap. It all boils down to principles. Those principles are laid down in our founding documents, and that's the end of it. Now, when we come back from the break, uh, we're going to talk about a couple of other instances. Um, yes, we'll get to the debate, even though I, I, you know, I've got my trash can here close in case I have to barf. But we'll do that after the break. But first, an absolutely obscene profit timeout. Yeah, it's still summer, but hunting season is not that far away. And it's time for you to start gearing up for it. I know, that's going to make the wife extraordinarily happy, but it has to be done. One of the best things that you can put in your hunting pack is a pair of really warm socks. And the best socks that I have ever worn are made by the Buffalo Wool Company. Most of the time, the first thing to get cold on my body are my feet. And being a diabetic like I am... I'm really, really sensitive to it. I've tried Pendleton wool socks and just about every kind of wool sock that you could possibly imagine, and nothing compares to these Buffalo Wool Company socks. To get you a pair, go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. Trust me, you are not going to be disappointed. Wyoming is one of the most sought-after places to live, I talk about it all the time on this program. There's a lot of people that want to move to our great state. There's beautiful mountain vistas all the way from Sheridan to Saratoga and from Hewlett all the way to Jackson. 
It's an amazing place, and there's a ton of people that are moving here. If you're buying or selling, you need a real estate agent with experience. The best person to talk to is Rebecca Bextel at Compass Real Estate. Last year, she sold $25 million worth of property all across the state of Wyoming, from small residential properties all the way up to giant ranches. She's lived in Jackson for 20 years and has her fingers on the pulse of the real estate market all across the state of Wyoming. So it doesn't matter what type of property you're looking for or if you're thinking about selling. Give Rebecca a call, 307-699-3519. That's Rebecca Bextel at Compass Real Estate. And now, the conclusion to our program. Cowboy State Politics, documented to be almost always right, 95.87624% of the time. Actually, the numbers have gone up here recently. You know, just You can't help it. The Wyoming media can't come anywhere close to the record of Cowboy State Politics, nor should they even try. I'm joined today by Joey Carrenti, and we're talking about principles today. Now, we just had a presidential debate, and I, I really don't want to talk about it, Joey, but I, apparently we should. But I think that the, the, I heard it described the best way from Glenn Beck's program this morning. The original series. There's a couple of people uh, that I, uh, if you look at, and I know it was just me, but if you look at uh the panel last night on the stage all of those podiums and think of them more like a landing party okay and they're all beamed down to the surface and i would believe that a few of them have come from outer space directly to the stage so they're all beamed down whenever they were going to be beamed down to the surface there were always these guys that well, let me show you these guys from the landing party and you'd never seen them before and as soon as Nikki they Haley. got into oh, the transporter, you're like, oh, they're going to die by the end of the Yeah, red shirts, totally. So, Joey, is he wrong? I mean, was last night's debate not like the landing party from Star Trek? You know, all these people that you've never seen before on the show, they beam down to the planet and half of them don't return. Well, let me start by addressing your lead into this segment, saying now the conclusion of Cowboy State. Well, politics. that's true. With this subject being on the table... We might be running long, and this may not be the last segment of the day, or at least not the last portion of the uh, show that we do. Um, so with that being said, yeah, um, I literally had a list before we even sat down. I uh, pulled over. You were pulled over? No, I mean, you I, are I pulled, Jailbird Joey. Yes, I am, and uh, we'll hear a lot about that in the near future. Uh, but no, I pulled over, uh, take a little break from driving last night, and I, I was listening the second time to the to the debate. And I had to listen a second time because even though they told me, I didn't know who some of these people were. And I kind of broke it down to a, a list of the, what the hell are these guys doing here? The governor of Arkansas, Hutchinson. I, I never even knew who that guy was. North Dakota, Burgum. And then, of course, 
not because we don't know who he is, but still, what the hell is Chris Christie doing here? I mean, how could he fit through the door is my question. On on so many levels, Chris Christie is the Joe Barbudo of East Coast Republicans. I mean, really, you look like him, you act like him. Well, it's not just the weight, the absolute ineptness and ineffectiveness and arguing off topic just to make you look like you belong somewhere near the conversation. Chris Christie, I get it. You built a resume, but you failed as an executive chief of a state, of a government. He left Re- office with an 8% approval rating. Well, eight. Regardless of what he was saddled with when, you know, he constantly says, well, you know, this is a problem we inherited. You chose to run for the office to inherit that program, that problem, that that set of principles and procedures that were bad. You didn't have a plan to fix it. So I don't know why Chris Christie is still there. And with those guys I just mentioned, them being there and Larry Elder not even being invited. That was weird. He qualified, didn't he? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how the RNC runs. I don't know how the current leadership in the RNC chooses things. I know they definitely don't go all the way down to the grassroots. And I was at the last state central committee meeting as a voting member by proxy. They barely brought up the fact there would be a debate, let alone asked us, who do we think should be involved in the debate and how should it be structured? They just said, we're going to do it at the RNC level. So to not have Larry Elder there, I think, you know, I, I will call out my own team for now. They're still my team. Um, they kick you out at least when i have questions if you know if they can find a way to kick me out please do it and do it so it sticks so that we now have the precedent on how to kick people out i'll be the i'll be the lamb you lead to slaughter on that one so as long as we have the policy that can be replicated in the future cool um and then you had your keystone participants that are only there because they've been present but failed so much in the past including i mean tim scott I love him to death, but I, I don't guy. think he's got a chance. I'd hang out with him, but I probably wouldn't vote for him, especially when I'm looking at other conservatives standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, Nikki Haley, you, you got a lot of great things going for you. You made some bad decisions when when Trump gave you a shot at, at representing us in the UN, and, and then your stance on abortion. That was weird. If you're that strong as a, as a leader – and and a an elected official and you have that much likability grow grow a backbone run as an independent prove that it's you that's getting elected not your relationship to this supposed power within the brand and then mike pence i mean come on this is the most unenthusiastic and wrong thinking and blame everybody else for everything and then give all the credit to stuff that actually didn't happen you know and i heard him say no less than four times eh, the, the trump pence administration he didn't really do anything he was he, he was present occasionally and i'm not going to fault him for his decision what he did in chambers on january 6th i personally have questions about, hey, let's reread this because they keep saying, I followed and protected the Constitution. No, you took the easy way out by executing your constitutional responsibility, which was to make a decision. The decision you made wasn't necessarily defend. There was a lot of questions. In fact, I believe there's at least one, maybe two states that have decertified portions of the election that were certified by Mike Pence that day. So, the bottom line is none of that's going to change the fact that Donald Trump's not president. Anybody who thinks get rid of Joe Biden or disproving the legitimacy of the 2020 election brings back a chance for us to get. No, we got a primary in one year. If you really want Donald Trump 
fine. You're going to have an opportunity to vote for them in a year. We're not getting back the other. The best case scenario, the way our documents, founding documents say, something happens to Joe Biden or they they decertify certain things or what. And then we, we got Kamala Harris. Oh, Lord. I don't know which is worse, to tell you the truth. I mean, um, dementia-ridden invalid or Kamala Harris who can't string two sentences together without repeating the same word 10 times. And then laughing at herself like a hyena. I mean, I do... St- I do unpalatable and goofy stuff all the time. I also don't represent 338 million people in their foreign policy and 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 things that the vice president yeah, who I thought changed that every day. But who I love seeing there, who who I was really impressed by, and I think we we can see a political team, even if it's not president, vice president. I mean, there's good cabinet positions, but uh, Ron DeSantis. Did a, was good. Did a real good job, but Ramaswamy wasn't he great? I'm, I'm telling you. He's right. The skinny guy up there with the big smile and a weird name. I didn't know. And it wasn't last night that I found out. I did some research. Um, Everybody, like we were talking about, don't worship the man. Don't be an idol. Everybody's flawed. Uh, This guy has some, you know, things about him that I personally don't agree with. But, uh, hey, I'm Jailbird Joey. I have a criminal record. I have some things that the state and the government have disagreed with and finalized on paper. It doesn't mean I'm incapable. So, you know, and he just knocked it out of the park with with a good attitude, great posture. And he brings that component that I think most Americans are sick of seeing, which is there's not enough active, intelligent, successful youth involved. Absolutely. And it's funny. He's 38. We're calling him youth. But that's about as young as we get. I think 35. You get 35 is the youngest to start. But I I didn't watch the whole debate. Uh, I couldn't stomach the whole thing. Um, I, I have a nice TV in my studio. I didn't want to trash it you know, the first first day out of the gate, so I didn't watch the whole debate. Uh, but I really thought uh, Ramaswamy did. I, I'm not going to say he did the best job, but he was pretty impressive. And you know, the rest of them, I kind of like the red shirts off of Star Trek. Yeah, just the, here's the question. At least those first three names that I mentioned, if the press didn't make a big deal about them quitting or not being at the next debate, would you notice that they weren't at the next debate? No, no. Then there you go. And the other the other three, you know, uh, Haley and and Pence and um, Scott, you might notice, but it still wouldn't have any impact. Their, Their absence wouldn't have any impact. I think the thing that we didn't see last night that would have had the biggest impact, especially on the those top two names that I mentioned. Is the. The absence of Donald Trump. Now, that was I think, fascinating. I think that would have changed some of the responses, some of the arguments. I hate that that's a fact. That I don't know. I, I think reality, you and I can disagree on that because I, I think that strategically, that was probably probably the right move. For Trump, yes. Yeah. But when you put him in the room. Oh, it changes everything. You know, when DeSantis and, and Ramaswamy have to say these things right in front of him, knowing it's not the fear of saying it in front of him. It's he's got that untethered mouth that's coming right back at you and will totally derail whatever you thought you were doing. Um, But I think there's a way these three guys can work together. And I'm not going to talk about it from a political point. I'm going to talk about it from a procedure point. We're looking at if Donald Trump ends up on the ballot, he can only be president one more time for four years. Right. I think it's very important to utilize that political capital and opportunity and say, hey, we're going to reset and try to get back to where we were when I got out of office the first time. And then Vice President DeSantis is going to run with, uh, you know, Ramaswamy as his VP. And that's going to be eight years. And then Ramaswamy, I mean, he's young enough to where 
he's going to get all that experience. They chided him. Oh, a young buck in here. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Some of our best ideas come from the youth. Absolutely. As opposed to the guys that have been renaming the stuff we've always been doing wrong to make it look slightly better. Right. As opposed to the to old folks themselves. that are on. And I mean, honestly, they're not that old, but they've been in politics for a really long time. And it's the same tired ideas. And none of them are really tethered to any principles. No principles whatsoever. I mean, you had you had Nikki Haley up there and her her response. And I should have grabbed a soundbite from it. But her response about abortion was intriguing to me. I mean, she basically said abortion's okay. Um, I think she said it was a, a woman's choice, but there was no principle there that that we support life. And if you look at the Republican Party platform, number one is life. If you're a, if you're a Christian, it's life. If you're an American by virtue of your Americanism, life, the, liberty, and the pursuit the of happiness. The Declaration of Independence has that as number one. You can't have the rest unless you have the guarantee of life. Uh, so I don't want to spend a whole lot of time. I'm actually not picking a candidate right now. Neither am I. Again, it's so way too early. We're looking at the, uh, the Liz Cheney race from two years ago. You know, we had all these candidates way up front. And at the time I was a county chairman, I had to put together some events, but I always stated publicly, I am providing opportunity for my people in this county to experience the candidates. I have no dog in this fight except for get rid of Liz Cheney, and I'm doing that procedurally. Nice which, move, by which the way. we did. Uh, again, another thing, you know, hate the man, but there was principle behind that. You don't have to like me. Some people say, oh, you're the Cheney killer, and I like it because I, I tell them. Have you ever met me before? Do you know how really horrific and unpalatable of a person I am? Watch it when you say you love me. Don't idol worship just because I did one thing that ended up benefiting something you liked. I carry forward the voice of the people. I help that football be moved forward. It doesn't raise my station in humanity at all. So I think we need to apply that to other things. And, but, but back to the way uh, this election could work. The legitimacy of another Trump presidency, presidency has got to be a reality. People have to accept it because the only reason that they are coming after him so hard is to avoid the possibility where the people even get to choose. They are so afraid that he has the opportunity to become president again and knows there's a possibility that the people will select him, that people on both sides of the aisle are killing themselves to stop him. And it's starting this week. They are bringing back a fake version of COVID because they realized they started a little too late to be as effective as they wanted. They didn't start until you know March why they're doing that? of the election year. In my opinion? Why is that? To get a ballot in every mailbox. Oh, no. Abs that, like I said, they didn't start sooner. When they started in March of 2020, most people had already registered to vote. And the restrictions and the closing of rural polling places and the combining of urban polling places and all that hadn't started. They didn't have enough time to scare enough people into pretending that we can trust the United States Postal Service. Okay. So let's, so uh, they're starting in October. The or, year before. Or August, well, whole year out to make sure that they have all those bases covered. And it's really up to the people. This is round two. Last time y'all gave up a lot of liberty and complied. And you complained in the wrong place. You complained about private businesses, but you didn't complain about the things town hall was doing. We pay for town hall. I don't own Walmart. I have to wear a shirt and shoes when I go in there because that's a private business. If they say you have to wear a mask, I can choose not to shop there, but I don't get mad at them for that. 
I get mad at town hall when they say I can't come in and get my building permit renewed because oogie boogie COVID and they refuse to do the work, but they're all still getting paid. And then they're spending all our tax dollars on PPE that they don't even need. Let's get, let's get back to principles. Okay. You know, we're, we're, we're a nation founded on them. Um, We allegedly believe in the rule of law. And that's, that's something that we hear the Democrats say all the time, that no one is above the law. Now, on last week's program, uh, last week's live episode, I went through the Georgia indictment of Trump. And I mentioned earlier in the broadcast that if you, if you want a good laugh, read that sucker. So let me just, and I don't know if you've read this or not, Joey, but uh, let me just read you some of these, and then I want to get your reaction to them. So from the Georgia indictment, quote, Meadows sent a text message to United States Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania and stated, quote, can you send me the number for the speaker and the leader of the Pennsylvania legislature? POTUS wants to chat with them. And the indictment reads, this was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Act number 22 cited in the Georgia indictment charged that Trump charged Trump with conspiracy for encouraging supporters to watch hearings broadcast on the One America News Network. Georgia hearings. Now I'm quoting from the indictment. Georgia hearings now on One America News Network. Amazing. The president tweeted this was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Uh, Act number 38 of the criminal indictment charged Giuliani with retweeting a Patriot call to action. The tweet stated, Georgia Patriot call to action. Today is the day we need you to call your state Senate and House representatives and ask them to sign a petition for a special session. We must have free and fair elections in Georgia. From the indictment, this was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. And just because we can, and because... President Trump was president number 45. Act number 45 of the indictment faults defendant Michael Roman, who I have no idea who that is, for requesting an unidentified, unindicted co-conspirator to encourage co-defendant Misty Hampton to attend a House committee hearing in Georgia on election fraud. This was an overt act in furtherance of a conspiracy. Now, this goes on and on and on. And none of these things are crimes. Not a single one of them is. But yet here we're saying that President Trump is guilty of conspiracy, which, I mean, yes, that's a crime. But I I also read you an article last week how uh, conspiracy really is an attempt to uh, destroy somebody's free speech. Mm -hmm. Uh, But none of these things are crimes. And yet we're allegedly the country that is, uh, is, is about the rule of law and about principles. Well, we have an entire justice system that's not focused on that. So where does that leave us, Joey? Well, it leads us to a situation where we need to once again demand accountability and transparency. There were no charges brought against President Trump until the conclusion of the January 6th commission. And when they concluded, they had recommendations that included indictments and some states took them up and they went judge and district shopping to find where it could be uh, heard based on merit and standing and a preferred uh, judge. But the thing we've never got is the thing Liz Cheney said on the first day when she said she was going to vote to impeach Trump. She said, six we have, minutes after we, the riot started, we have enough evidence now to make this decision. She never showed us the evidence when she was uh, our representative here in Wyoming. We begged for it. I know. I wrote personally. I was there. I, I held uh, public hearings. Uh, we wrote resolutions, demands. We came back after her a second time because we said this is not 
our version of republicanism or representation. We no longer recognize you. She went on the January. And this was not in defense of Trump. This was in, in defense of due process, a principle that we hold very, I hold very dear within the Constitution. And then the January 6th commission concluded, and they said, we have all the evidence and we recommend these things. We still haven't seen the evidence. In fact, there, there's rumors that a lot of it's missing or have been destroyed because the findings of the committee have been, uh, you know, published. So, okay, let's just see the evidence. Level with the American people. Same thing with the UFO guy. Got it. Let's, let, let's just get the actual evidence out there and show me a real crime. Because the conspiracy thing, it's a catch-all. Mm -hmm. You say, well, this happened over here, and you talked to this person over here, or this was the effect. Well, yeah, but that's not direct involvement in a crime. I don't believe you can prove intent, and this is where the conspiracy catch-all uh, rolls up. The one thing I do think, and I haven't seen it in any of the indictments, but I haven't read through all of them uh, that could be problematic for President Trump is um, there could be, and they only got to get them on one. Right. I think right now there's 91 out there, and I don't know if any of them include obstruction of justice. I'm sure that one of them does. I think um, Jack Smith's. Yeah, but when he denied recognition and appearance for the one of the subpoenas, and he didn't go through his lawyer, he went public and said, I'm not, you know, good on you. Have a backbone. Defend your principles. Have reasons why. But you have to accept the fallout. And sometimes that is you're going to go to court, you're going to lose, or they're going to put you in jail. I know. Jailbird Joey, been there myself, stood up for something I believe that on paper they said, it's not what the law says. You know, they didn't adjudicate me a bad person or a worthless American. They just adjudicated me in violation of a code somewhere. But I think there is going to be the focus on the argument of this was obstruction of justice, not conspiracy, because the way he I don't even know that they didn't can prove that. Respond. But I, but I don't know that they can prove it. I think they can win that in court. There's a well, difference. There's a difference. There's a difference between being guilty and having done it. Everybody knows O.J. Simpson murdered two people, and criminally he was found not guilty. Come on. There's a difference. So I think the whole point of all of this is to get one crime that they can argue later disqualifies him from even running. And they're not going to do it through the Constitution, technically the 10th Amendment. They're going to say, well, he's been convicted of a crime. It's felony. Secretaries of State, he does not meet the standard to appear on your ballot, so you can't even put him on your ballot. So they're not going to do this at the national level. This is why they're trying it at the state level, because once they get that conviction, one conviction of one felony in any of these states, they'll do the same thing they're accusing him. They'll start calling secretaries of states and leaders of legislators and right. say, you cannot put this felon on your ballot. And state by state, this is what the 10th Amendment guarantees, all have different laws. But I'll guarantee you most of them will say, well, we can't put a felon on the ballot. And that's how they're going to get them. We'll continue in a minute. We'll finish up the program in just a second. But first, one more absolutely obscene profit timeout. Welcome to Cowboy State Politics Lessons in Self-Serving Gentlemanly Conduct. Lesson number one, the salon. Now, gentlemen, we all know that our better halves like their hair to look just right. And let's be honest, it helps us out too. We do like looking at attractive ladies. Now, the best place that that wife of yours can go to is to the Bombshell Studio in Sheridan. 
Christine Sturdivant is the only Redken specialist in Sheridan. So if your better half needs a new do or she just wants a touch-up on the one that she has, call Christine Sturdivant. Her phone number is 307-752-4844. That's the Bombshell Studio. This has been Cowboy State Politics, Self-Serving Lessons in Gentlemanly Conduct. Do you like hot wings? Yeah. Me too. In fact, I'm obsessed with them. And the best hot wings in the state of Wyoming are from the Winget Food Truck. They travel around the state, going from town to town. All you have to do is go to their Facebook page, the Winget Food Truck, or go to CowboyStatePolitics.com and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you'll find their schedule there. You know, I personally recommend the Garlic Parmesan Wings. They're absolutely amazing, but they've got several other different flavors, not just hot wings or garlic parmesan. You'll find exactly what you've been missing this entire time. So go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab. And that way, you can plan your entire week around where the Winget food truck is going to be. I get it. Actual summer was really kind of short in Wyoming. And we all know what that means. Fall is on the way. And with it comes some pretty unpredictable temperatures. You need to be prepared for all of it. Sometimes we have all four seasons in the same week. One of the best ways that you can do that is to get a nice warm hat from New Trend Hats. They have a wide variety of hats for both men and women, and they're sure to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. So go to their website, NewTrendHats.com, and make sure you're prepared for whatever is coming. And now, the conclusion to the program. Welcome back. David Iverson behind the Silver Cowboy State Politics microphone. I've got Joey Carrenti in the studio today, and this is a rare occasion where we're kind of doing a little bit of overtime, simply because I've got you here and it's a captive audience, and I see no reason not to exploit you. Well, there's also, you know, the standard theory of there's always too much Joey, so you might as well take advantage of the fact that everybody thinks there's more than enough of me on a regular basis. Might as well get some minutes out of it. Yeah, may as well. So we're talking about principles today. And where we left off is talking about Donald Trump and, you know, how he wasn't at the uh, at the debate last night and that he's got some legal problems here. Now, when I saw when I knew for sure, for sure, for sure that he wasn't going to be at the debate, one thing went through my head. And, you know, we kind of started this segment, this very long segment with a little Star Trek. But uh, as you all know, I'm kind of a Star Trek junkie. And so this is kind of what I thought may have been going through Trump's mind. Well, I've got an idea about that. Gentlemen, gentlemen. This, uh, this card game is a kid's game. You think so, huh? Oh, yes, yes. I wouldn't waste my time. Who's asking you? On uh, Beta Antares 4, they play a real game. It's a man's game, but of course, probably a little beyond you. It requires intelligence. Listen, Kirk, I can play anything you can figure out. Take the cards, big man. Show us how it's played. Captain, I'm familiar with the culture on Beta Antares 4. I don't know of any game. Of course, the uh, cards on uh, Beta Antares 4 are different, but not too different. 
The name of the game is called uh, Fizbin. 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 It's uh, not too difficult. So my point mm-hmm. here is that Donald Trump is playing a game that none of the others really understand. That he knows that he's got he's got a huge lead, and he knows if he show, if he showed up to that debate. It would just be a bash fest on President Trump, and there would be nine people on the stage instead of eight, and he'd probably get a grand total of six minutes to talk, and all of them, he would be hitting the racquetball back at him, or probably a baseball bat in his in his case. But it really, it, it wouldn't have done him any good. In fact, he had everything to lose from being in that debate. Now, I'm not saying that like beating back the attacks of Fat Boy is going to be, you know, is not in his best interest because I think that it is. But I think it's kind of a waste of time that he doesn't have to be there. That I mean, the question on everybody's mind, except for us political junkies who actually paid attention to the the back and forth arguments. But the question on just about everybody's mind was, where's President Trump? Man, this is kind of boring without him. And I. I think that that's what he was driving at. That's why he did the interview with Tucker instead, which, by the way, I heard this morning that it's been viewed 120 million times. Holy crap. Yeah. The, there's no... <laughs> We're going to talk about something just before we take off today that uh, is going to play into this, but just because it was played 120 million times doesn't mean it's 120 million supporters. Most likely... It's the Howard Stern effect of the people that hate him the most have not only watched it, but watched it multiple times looking for something to anger them, to justify their negative oh, feelings yeah. that they believe they can act Absolutely. on. Other, the, everything else you said, I think, is completely right. I think Trump being there would have been a distraction. He doesn't need it. And I think when you can handily win a debate by your absence, everybody already knows that people were answering for Trump. You know what he would say. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Trump, 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 Trump. He didn't have to be there. And you're right. Uh, there was probably a great benefit to him. To not even have to go in there. Now, when you said him not being there is kind of boring. No, I think it was still a very spicy debate. Well, it was. It just wasn't the one, you know, most people who are in this for the entertainment value were looking for. But I think I think there was some healthy jabs and barbs. Even, even Nikki Haley pulled out a Margaret Thatcher quote that when you're the only woman standing on stage and you can swing a bat for womanhood, I'm sorry that I'm not sorry. You're out there to win heart and minds and get votes. And that got her some votes. It might have lost her a lot of votes on the other side when you alienate the other half of the population or whatever. But again, I I think I go back to 2016. When I looked at that stage, I think we had 17 candidates. Oh, it was it was insane. And when I looked and I got this was my foray into national politics at the state level as a Republican. I, I looked and I was a delegate for Albany County at the time. This was right before I was their state committee manager. And we had the precinct caucuses and then our county conventions. And I was the only delegate for Trump, I believe, one of three in the state, but definitely the only one from Albany County. And at the time, it was. Yeah, Albany County's pretty close to Jackson. But they're getting better. Um, But when I looked at that stage and and the 17, I only saw one president on that stage out of 17. And it was absolutely, unquestionably Ben Carson. When you talk about the office and the expectation of president, Ben Carson was the only president on that stage. Unfortunately, at that time and still today, America is not benefit, not mature enough to benefit from a Ben Carson type presidency. We needed the evil rat bastard that was going to drag America kicking and screaming through the growing pains it needed to go through to eventually be able 
to benefit from a Ben you Carson know, I've, presidency. I've said that and that's Trump, and that's always been Trump. And right now, I talked before about political capital. In our system, because he's only got the four years left, returning to zero through another Trump presidency is the best move I believe we can make while developing and including some of these other top guys. It cannot be the full personality. Trump or nothing, get rid of DeSantis, screw the skinny billionaire. No, we need to bring those guys in because we need to be looking at a 16-year run to benefit from the four years we can get Trump to return to zero because we still don't have a president we can benefit from. We need the guy that's going to drag them the same way you do with your kids. Tough love. America, you're going to have to suffer, but it's going to get better. And I proved to you last time we can do it. Let's just get back to zero. Well, and I, I've said over and over that is, Trump is not perfect. In fact, um, just like all of us, he's a very, very flawed individual. Um, you can <laughs> you can go to YouTube and you can look up historic Trump videos. And there's there's a lot of things that you know I find particularly distasteful. The uh, the TMZ footage when he was talking about the old Billy Bush, yeah, uh, that footage I I didn't like that at all. Uh, a lot of his tweets, um, while I found them kind of humorous, um, it was always in the back of my head: is this really presidential behavior? You know, I, I look at the presidency and I see it as um, you know when you and I were at breakfast this morning, we were talking about symbols that uh, you know symbols have meaning. And one of those in America is the office of the president. You know, he's the guy that sits in the Oval Office, the office that was built in such a way to make the room itself imposing. He sits behind the resolute desk, which was made out of the the timbers of the HMS Resolute. There's only two of those in existence. Mm -hmm. It's the office of the presidency in and of itself is a symbol. And so the person that occupies it, while they are much smaller than that symbol, while they're not more important than that symbol, they too become um, a, a symbol in a sense. They are the president of the United States. And what, what many Americans see right now is uh, a guy that's sitting in the Oval Office who not only um, does not embody the presidency, um, I don't think that he's the president for most people. I think that he is a useful tool. And I know that's a, a horrible thing to say about the president of the United States, but I don't think that you can get away from that argument. I mean, the guy is systematically destroying this country. Now, there's folks on the other side who would say, well, no, he's saving the country, which I think is a you know a, a intellectually dishonest argument. Um, but when we get back to the importance of symbols, all right, uh, Donald Trump, was the right guy at the right time. Mm -hmm. he, he was the guy that was going to drag us kicking and screaming to do the things that we had to do uh, to, to improve the lives of everyday Americans. And I, you, you can try to make an argument that he didn't do that, but I don't think that it's valid. I mean, I don't think that you can prove it. Um, all you have to do is go to the gas pump today. And you can you can see the results. You can take it right out of your right out of your gas tank. I've got an article sitting right here that, as of um, since two thousand eight, of course, Trump was president during you know after two thousand eight, but the world has lost eleven trillion dollars worth of wealth. Eleven trillion dollars, and all of that comes through inflation. And in fact, the and I can't remember where I found this article. 
Uh, I think it was on Zero Hedge. But just listen to this. By the end of 2022, global, total global household wealth dropped 2.4% or $11.3 trillion. Meanwhile, average individual wealth also slumped by 3.6% or $3,198 last year. That's just last year, Joey. Mm -hmm. And now I don't, I don't make a lot of money. I mean, I know I have obscene profit timeouts all the time, but I'm not in the, in the upper echelon of income. So when I, when I look at that and say, I have lost $3,000, that's a significant portion of, of my yearly income. And that's, that's just in one year. So to say that Donald Trump didn't make your life demonstrably better is absolutely a falsehood. Now, I, I think I also agree with you that he's the right guy for this election. And I think last night proved it. Mm. There, okay, so there were some good jabs back and forth, but not a single one of those people was a president in my eyes. Perhaps could they become president later? Sure. I think our best bet is eventually having Ramaswamy up there. It's just not. I really like him. But we have to get away from this idea that just because this may not be his time, that he doesn't deserve to be up there. He doesn't need the experience. And we don't need it. We don't forget about him just because he's not the guy right now. One thing America has suffered from is the lack of uh, apprenticeships. We've sent everybody to college to become robot and automatons for the system academics with all your degrees and your initials after your name that don't mean you're good at anything except for sitting there and following orders and not causing a problem for four to eight years. The trades, the doers always had apprentices. And I think we need that in politics too. Not, Hey, we're going to teach you how to win. We're going to make sure that you have the background, the pedigree, the understanding and the executability of the principles. So there's no question when it's your time, you're the guy. And I think he's the one. And I think we need to, as much as people need to hold their nose, to vote for Donald Trump, unless something really significant happens, that's what's going to have to uh, really, really be it because we need that four years in the system. Could it be somebody else? Sure. Does anybody else really believe that with only four years, anybody could get more done, especially based on the track record? I don't think there's an argument that he's, he's done it. We can get back to zero, especially without Pence in the way as the vice president. And I think we can do it for a lot cheaper than the seven trillion dollars Trump added last time. I think he's going to be under the mandate of, hey, without COVID or with COVID, we still can't spend this money like this. No. You need to make promises. Remember, this is your last four years. Make the drive. Get rid of the Department of Energy. Get rid of the Department of Education. Stop blowing money on this stuff. Stop spending money to you, sending money to Ukraine. Whatever it is, execute because he's safe once he's elected. And then we got four years. And I think we can get past zero. But we have to accept that opportunity. Otherwise, we're going to keep squabbling over these little fiefdom arguments, our little sacred cows, and everybody's going to get more divisive saying, it's got to be this one thing. No, we need progress for America. We need relief for the working people of America. We need to start challenging the indoctrination of our children, uh, the social engineering and bureaucracies that are running America. And, uh, embrace what we have here. We have a lot of natural resources and a lot of natural talent. Why is America selling off everything wholesale just to buy it back retail from China? Well, and it's, for me, it all boils down to principles. You know, I mean, we can, we can squabble over all of the little different culture, you know, culture wars type arguments. Um, you know, and certainly those are, those are not unimportant, 
Um, <laughs> we've got we've got schools across the country that are that are slinging pornography at little kids. That the only thing that they should be thinking about is the turtle that they're going to go find after school, or the frog that they're going to scare the hell out of their out of their sister with. Um, you know, we got, we've got a serious problem with abortion in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got we've got in our own court in Wyoming, and this this was fascinating. And I know you saw this article, Joey. But so the judge down in Jackson, uh, Owens. She she admitted into evidence a video of two representatives saying that we should thank God for Roe v. Wade being overturned. That's admitted into evidence in a court of law. Yeah, and um, it's funny because the argument that, well, they mentioned God, so now it's a religious thing. It's the same thing it says right here in the Declaration of Independence, endowed by their creator uh, to life. See, uh, equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. That's the paragraph before the, even the mention of life, but it says endowed by their creator to life. So now we have to get rid of the Declaration of Independence because it recognizes the same thing. This, you know, idiot. And that's the thing about judges. Never vote to retain a judge unless no. you know you have a really, really good one. I know a couple of really, really good ones that I would love to see stick around until they become activists. And what's happening right now is we're seeing judicial activism in hopes that it turns into being able to legislate from the bench. Do you know why we're seeing judges act like activists? Um, probably because there's absolutely zero accountability. Well, there's no accountability <laughs> at for all. them all. But, but also, who gets to appoint them? But, yeah, well, that. But I think the overarching point is that we're not focused on principles. Well, just don't get so, in trouble in Natrona County because, yeah, you know, if you ever have to appear in front of Judge Kevin Tahiri, you're going to want to get you a really good lawyer. You know, Joey, in, in retrospect, when you go through Natrona County, you should just, you know, set the cruise on 74, not make a stop, and just go through. If you get caught, Kevin Tahiri is going after you. And my biggest problem is it's the most convenient place for gas on almost any of my trips, except for Shoshone. Shoshone is the centralist, when, most central location in the state. But I do. Uh, I try to, you know, throw on a puffy neon yellow jacket you think oh you don't want to be looked at well no one's going to be looking for me in a giant neon yellow jacket thinking you know he's a road worker everybody knows joey doesn't do hard labor so i try to pretend to be someone else when i'm going through casper because yeah it'll be real difficult especially if uh, i need a public defender and and the next one on the list is i don't know peter nicolaus and i know i'm going to jail for the rest of my life in that case but so let's uh let's kind of wrap this up. We've talked about a lot of different stuff today, but the most the most important thing is the one I, I think we started the program with, that we all have to get back to principles. And it doesn't matter what the name is, whether it's Trump or it's Ramaswamy or I mean I happen to think Trump is the best is the best pick for president, um, but he's not more important than our principles. And you know, it, if if we just focus on those, life liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Um, we can fix a, a lot of the problems that we've talked about. And, you know, I, I think a lot of the small arguments go away when, you know, when you start focusing on things like freedom and liberty and all of the things that we've talked about in today's episode. Um, so, Joey, uh, thank you very much for uh, sitting down with me for, well, now an hour and a half. Um, any last words? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think you're right. What you just described, you know, getting rid of those smaller arguments by having a grander focus. It's what I call bringing down the swelling on some of the bruising. A lot of people got hurt feelings over minor issues and they want to make them the major issues. But I think if we step back, 
Um, and we have to be principled about our principles. They have to be equally applied fundamental principles in all situations across all people. That's equality. And that's where justice happens. You have to be able to defend your enemy's right to be wrong, especially if they're not infringing on someone else's liberties with their actions, because that's just a crime over there that's separate. But just because I disagree with how the freak show runs in your tent doesn't mean I don't think you should be able to have a freak show or a tent. Just keep it away from the kids. Don't cost us tax money and don't attempt to legislate yourself special rights protections, whatever. But I respect the fact that you have the right to form your own freak show the way we do. We, we have a freak show on our side too. Um, and when it comes to principles and being able to share with people, I think part of it has got to have a, a listening component. Um, so with all of my overabundant free time, uh, we've got a few things in the works and I'm, I'm ready to announce one of them in the next month. I will be launching a podcast called just blame Joey and weird, funny how that happens. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about a lot of things and this isn't to uh, challenge cowboy state politics or the ramble room. This is, this is a compliment and a different angle. And I'm actually starting without any content. And, and an email address. So if you have an idea, a question, a concern, a gripe, let me know. It's going to be joey at justblamejoey.com. The website's not up yet, but the email is working. We're going to start slow and we're going to focus on things like principles, policies, procedures over just pure politics. That's a lot of P's in there and I should probably write that down. But uh, I, I, I think there's a need um, to have as much independent sourced public connection as possible and and you and 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 this program and ken pendergraph and his program done really great tom kelly's working on you know improving and doing a real good job i loved that he uh interviewed his opponent from that state superintendent race and they showed that you can be opponents in a race and disagree on some policy but when you have the same principles the conversation yep very civil as they are trying to and it's easy to do when it's done right so uh just blame joey uh, com. joey at just blame joey.com send me your thoughts your ideas your questions your concerns we're going to start putting stuff down we'll be releasing in the next month at least if not a few weeks and uh i hope to share an audience with you and and really focus on things like liberty-minded principles as opposed to winning elections and arguments well, when, if you've listened to Cowboy State Politics for any length of time, you know that one of my main targets is uh, the media, um, the, the mainstream media in Wyoming, simply because they don't tell you the truth. They have an agenda, and we can prove that they have an agenda. And, <laughs> and there's going to be a lot of stuff coming in, uh, in, the, ne in the next weeks and months uh, where we're going to show you why there is a need for independent voices in uh in our conversation and there's there's a lot of exciting things happening um, a lot of them i can't tell you about right now because we're still working on them um, but i promise you in the next couple weeks uh there's something going to be something big is going to be released and you know, it's really going to change the conversation in wyoming and it, i mean it's absolutely necessary i mean there's been uh, for far too long uh, the media in wyoming has been one big conglomerate and it's it's operated and owned by a very small group of people, and none of them have your best interests in mind. In fact, <laughs> uh, it's all pretty agenda driven. Well, uh, we're going to step into the ring and and start swinging, 
And absolutely with the only promise, you know, this is the conversation we started this program with today is I know we haven't agreed on this, but I'm going to speak for you anyway. The promise we're making is to provide you access and opportunity. We're going to give you the data. We will give you some of our opinion on it, but we want to make sure that we're doing our thing the way America was always made to do its thing. We're going to provide you the opportunity to get involved, to do the work, to understand, to be able to prove it, and then to defend your liberty, your rights, where your taxes go, and what you're being fed. Well, that's all you get for right now. <laughs> well, that's about that'll about do it for today's installment of the program. New episodes of Cowboy State Politics are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And of course, don't forget about the live episode, which starts every Thursday at 10 a.m. Unless, of course, I'm being drug off to some far-flung place in the corner of the state. In which case, you'll just have to wait for the next one. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns, at the Cowboy State Politics Northern Command Studio in Sheridan, Wyoming... And this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.